1: and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course, the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer-Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitts. Today we are recapping a Big 12 championship for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, and then also a big a NCAA bracket reveal. There's a whole lot of stuff going on for this episode. Uh, but I want to make sure we leave stuff to talk about the rest of the week. So we're not going to cover everything in here. We will hit on the bracket a little bit. But mainly we're focusing on the Big 12 championship. What came out of that and what we expect that to really kind of tell us moving forward and going into into the NCAA tournament so to, to help me do all of that uh one of our our analysts over at Blue Wings Rising Steve Fetch Fetch how you doing today good how are you doing I'm doing pretty good so I would say it's been a great weekend what do you think
1: yeah I mean tough to tough to beat coming out and and uh getting to blast through West Virginia in the first round without McCormick playing much and then you know, a TCU team who a lot of people thought was going to be a, a tough matchup for Kansas and Kansas gets through them without much difficulty. And then obviously finishing it off with a, a tough win against Texas tech, but honestly a, a win where I, I didn't really think Kansas was in too much danger uh, ever during that game. So it, it's tough to draw a, a much better weekend than the one that they had.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kansas only trailed in that game, like the, the big title game, I think for a total of like two minutes and it was, like, right at the very beginning when Tech hit a three after KU had hit a two to start, so, like, barely at all. And then there was, like, a, a small stretch in the second half where Texas Tech briefly took the lead, got it up to three, and then Kansas just went on a huge run to put it away for good. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was a tight game. It was hotly contested, but you're right. It never felt like Kansas was in, was in trouble in that game. It always felt like the way that they were playing – you, you maybe felt that Texas Tech might have gotten onto a run and taken a small lead, but there was never any question about whether Kansas was going to be able to come back. It was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. Um, I thought it was a, a fantastic game. I was extremely happy with the fact, um, you know, that, that Kansas was able to take the best defense in the nation and force them to play at their pace. Like Kansas was able to, to dictate that this was going to be a high offensive game as opposed to a, you know, you know, slog, drag it out and not really be able to do much. Kansas didn't really have a run in this game where they went, you know, six minutes without scoring a field goal or anything like that. They, for the most part, were able to get up and down and run their offense and, and the stretches where they were not effective, it literally seemed to be more like it was, Hey, missed shots, you know, like guys that just didn't get the bounce, um, as opposed to good defense that was keeping them from getting the kind of shots that they wanted.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Lots of, you know, in and out threes. Um, obviously, you know, Texas tech system is, some are predicated on giving up those open threes. Um, they give up quite a few three-pointers, and I guess at some point you have to credit them for the fact that, uh, you know, offenses seem to make fewer threes than they do against, a, you know, an average opponent. But at the same time, I mean, these are wide-open looks by really good shooters, and, and they just didn't fall, and cancel take that, you know, any second of the day. And um, I thought it was, I don't know, we can just jump right into the Remy Martin discussion if you want. for sure. I thought yeah, it was interesting sure. that, you know, when it was winning time, um, they did a little bit of, you know, spread it out and go with Remy Martin and, and he made things happen. He was able to consistently beat his man into the lane, whether that be off a switch or, or just his guy guarding him and, um, was able to finish at the lane. My cat agrees, um, was able to both finish at the rim and, you know, find open men, uh, consistently. So, um, I think that's one thing, you know, if we talked about the positives earlier. Um, you know, that's maybe the biggest positive is the fact that they're finally getting that Remy Martin that they thought they were getting, and, and it's taken this team to another level.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it was Jesse Newell that wrote, and forgive me if I, if I have the wrong person, whoever it was that actually wrote it, if it wasn't Jesse, but, you know, um, or I, I actually don't remember who it was now, but Remy Martin had that one, it was like late in the game where he basically turned the ball over, uh, but then was able to kind of steal it right back, uh, which allowed like gave Bill self that, that kick, you know, to basically say, Hey, okay, I'm not gonna take you out this time. Cause you made a good play and kind of made up for your mistake. But typically what we've seen is you get into crunch time in a game and Martin makes a mistake that Dewan Harris probably wouldn't make right defensively um, or even offensively. And then, and then self pulls him out this time. Martin was able to make the play, get the big recovery. And it was enough to keep him in there because of everything else he was doing. I mean, he, he had a phenomenal weekend. I think he was probably the biggest winner of the entire weekend, um yes mitch lightfoot had a phenomenal game but i don't know that that lightfoot's uh you know his his role is going to change moving forward whereas i think what remy martin did in this tournament is going to give him a much bigger role in the in the NCAA tournament than he would have had before that
1: yeah i think the play that stood out to me actually out of all of them was when they forced that uh you know violation on the inbounds play where he just kind of you know crept up and and uh, acted like he was gonna go for the steal and I think it was O'Banner who stepped over the line and committed that violation and that's just something that he brings that's different to um you know really any other guard on the team I mean Dwan Harris I think is a much better defender on the whole I actually do like Joe Yesifu's defense I don't know the advanced stats aren't as kind um so Remy's probably the the worst defender of the three but he just does those little things uh, a little bit better than I think the other guys and, and just is a little bit more pesky, um, which I think is something that you need, uh, especially in the NCAA tournament, especially when you know it's a single elimination. Every possession is so much more important. Um, those little things where you can just steal an extra possession uh, can end up being huge at the end of the game.
0: Well, and, and it goes back to what Bill Self said, you know, at the Big 12 media days at the beginning of the year. Rami Martin is the energy guy on this team. He's the guy that gives them a spark to get them to play, be able to play more up tempo in a way that is actually productive. Um, and so you saw that in this game. Like, I don't know that Kansas would have been able to run all out as far as, or as much as they did have such an up tempo offense if Martin didn't play 26 minutes in this game. Like he, he added a lot of energy. He helped to push the pace. I think in a lot of cases, he actually dictated the pace that the game was going at, which is not something that I would have thought would have been happening coming into the year or even like, you know, halfway through the year. Um, the fact that he is the guy that comes in and gives them that energy is going to be huge for them because now he's actually going to be on the floor. I I do think that there is a very good opportunity that he will continue to be the point guard that gets the most minutes. Um, out of all of them because you're going to be able to have now Dewan Harris and Remy Martin out on the floor at the same time, or Joseph Yesifu out on the floor with Remy Martin at the same time. Like they have found ways to work them in, in a way that Bill Self is comfortable to be able to have multiple point guard options, which opens a lot of things up, which gives guys like Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown, just to, just that little bit of rest that they need to stay as effective as possible. Yes. Neither of those two hit a three, the entire game. Um, but like you said, it was just one of those where, for whatever reasons, shots weren't falling. In fact, Remy Martin and Ochai Abaji were the only two players that hit a three in this entire game, um, which was really, really strange. They shot five of 22 from three. Texas Tech didn't do much better. They were five of 19. So it was just one of those nights where the three wasn't going in for either team for whatever reason. I do think the pace had a lot to do with that, though, when you're running up and down that much. It's it's honestly a lot harder to to get set properly for threes even the wide open ones to a point where you're going to be knocking them down at the clip that you usually knock them down at. Um, you definitely want to see that change in the in the NCAA tournament, but I know that I'm necessarily that worried about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I think, you know, you made a good point at the start of that where Remy Martin's ability to pitch the ball ahead and, and just kind of beat teams getting back is something that um, he does better than the other two point cards for sure. I mean, Joe Yesifu is probably equally as quick with him, uh, as quick as him with the ball uh, Dwan Harris, obviously, you know, a good passer in his own right, but just that pitch ahead pass where you can beat the defense and get into those transition opportunities, which are so important for this team. Um, he allows you to do that a little bit better than I think the other two point cards. And so he's probably not going to start. Um, he's probably not going to finish every game, but I do think that he's a guy where, and, and we'll probably talk about it, you know, potentially tough second round matchup with either Creighton or San Diego State. You're probably going to need a guy who can just go get you a bucket uh, by himself. And of all the guys on the team, I mean, Remy Martin's the guy that's going to go do that better than anyone.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, any other players that you really want to highlight? I mean, obviously, we could talk about guys like Otayabaji, Abaji who had, again, another phenomenal game. It's weird because we're at the point now where we just expected so much that it's not really news to talk about it. I almost feel like I'm saying the exact same thing to talk about how fantastic he is. But I don't want to just ignore the fact that he was absolutely fantastic. He did get... You know, most valuable player of the tournament, or I guess MOP is the official name for it. But um, you know, there was there was some question. I did find it funny, and I actually mentioned this on Twitter, where they were like announcing, you know, the the all tournament team, and then said, "And you're most, you know, your uh, most outstanding player." And Ochai's like motioning to Jalen Wilson. It's like you're you're going to get it. You're going to get it. It's like no, there's no way that it's going to Jalen Wilson. I'm sorry, <laughs> which I, I just thought was kind of funny, but. Abaji was phenomenal in this game. Um, I'm assuming the, the other guy to talk about would be David McCormick, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, playing on the, that one foot basically uh, came out and, and obviously was the Ken Palm MVP of that one. Um, you know, 5 of 9 from 2, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, uh, 11 rebounds. I mean, just an, another incredible game for him. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job defensively uh, as well on Bryce Williams when he was on him. Um, you know, this is probably Williams' worst game against Kansas. Uh, both either at Utah or Texas Tech. And he still had, you know, a pretty darn good game, you'd have to say. Um, so just, you know, all credit to him. But, yeah, I think I think you got to go with McCormick and then – oh, hello. I, got I was going to say, your, your cat thinks little, you're
0: making a fantastic point.
1: I got a little uh, um, <laughs> uh, partner here. Um, but the other guy, you mentioned him. I mean, I think Jalen Wilson. You know, zero points, I believe, if I remember correctly, in the first half. Um, Missed pretty badly on a couple threes. Obviously, you know, you mentioned only Ochai and Remy had the threes in the game, so he wasn't able to connect there. But did a really good job finishing through contact. Um, It seems like he gets zero whistles. I mean, it seems like he got hammered on a couple of those and wasn't able to to go to the line. But um, was able to finish through contact. You know, five of six from two um, showed off his playmaking ability honestly I thought he played pretty good defense as well you know he got mashed up on Bryson Williams a few times and I kind of made the uh, Sfi in 2018 comparison when he was kind of having to guard Marvin Bagley it was kind of that similar thing and you know he didn't do quite as well as Sfi did in 2018 but I thought he put up a pretty good fight and certainly at this point you know still isn't a great defender but is not a guy I don't think that you can just like isolate someone on him and you're going to score every time which uh, is a, a big help for this team so Um, credit for him and and credit for him to, you know, continuing to show effort on the glass and, you know, he had a few tip balls and stuff. So um, I definitely think his, um, his energy and and his effort, uh, big reason why Kansas won yesterday.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the only thing that I was disappointed about with this game was the fact that it became pretty clear pretty early that my, my dream of Mitch Lightfoot being named most outstanding player of the tournament wasn't going to happen because Mitch didn't get much opportunity here, but you know, they really needed McCormick to step up the way that he did against Bryson Williams. That was the big question I had going into the game, was talking about that in the the pregame Twitter space with some of the Texas Tech guys. It's like, that was our consensus that that Bryson Williams-David McCormick matchup was going to be the most important. If Williams won that matchup, Kansas was going to have a hard time, I think, finding someone that was going to be able to shut him down. If McCormick could pretty much hold his own there, and honestly, I think he did better than hold his own. I think he actually played phenomenal defense on Williams, the way that, you know especially when you compare it to the last few times that they've played each other. Um, So I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, You know, I think obviously the big story that a lot of people were worried about you, you kind of mentioned David McCormick and his foot, you know, he actually came down on, I for, I forget whose foot it was that he actually stepped down on, but he stepped on someone's foot was hobbling around for a good portion of the rest of the game, uh, but seems to be okay. If, from everything that I've seen, you know, they actually showed a little bit of him in the selection show, walking into like the room and everything. He didn't seem to be walking with a limb. Now, obviously it's a little bit different walking into a, you know, really nice comfy chair than it is like playing on a basketball court, but it seemed like he was okay. Um, Mitch Lightfoot, Told, told Greg Gurley after the game that he fully expects to be ready for the NCAA tournament as well. So it seems like the injury issues that, you know, Mitch, Mitch Lightfoot hurt his knee, it looked like it was pretty serious. He went into the locker room, came back out in sandals, and I think that was just more game situation and where they were in the game as opposed to him not being able to go if he needed to, um, you know, at that point. It was more of a, hey, let's not, you know, risk him becoming unavailable because we felt like we had to put him back in a game when we've got a guy in McCormick who's just balling out. So I'm not too worried about the injury situation, but it was definitely a question about, you know, 20 minutes after the game was over um, that a lot of people were really, really worried about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, those, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but those ones where you kind of land weird or whatever, and it's more like a, a sharp, you know, hitting your knee on the ground or, or, you know, your foot on the ground or whatever seem to be a little bit, you know, easier to clear up than the ones where it's, you know, you, you're twisting something and stuff like that. So Um, good to see that Mitch is is going to be healthy I think there's definitely matchups where he can help Um, not sure that it's going to be a potential matchup with Creighton or or San Diego State but I do think if they get a you know Wisconsin or Iowa in the Sweet 16 um, that's maybe somebody that he can potentially help against and and maybe even Auburn although I obviously a long way to go uh, before we get to that so um, definitely glad he's gonna be back and obviously Dave I mean he is really outside of Obagi, you almost have to call him the second most important player on the team. So if, if he can be healthy, that'll go a long way to, uh, you know, Kansas having a little bit more success. I mean, we saw what they were like last year in March with him, you know, recovering from COVID, not being 100%. So
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything else really about the, the tournament championship game to talk about, unless you had something you were thinking of. No, I, I don't think okay. so. I mean,
1: it's election Sunday, you know. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. All right, we are going to jump into the brackets, but before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Homefield Field Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, all kinds of stuff over there. A hundred different schools plus. Um, and they're adding more schools all the time. They just got done with a whole bunch of basketball, big new Saturday themed uh, releases that they had. UCLA was the last one. But Kansas is a part of the lineup now, which means that they have Home Field Magic going into the NCAA tournament here. And for the month of March, they are actually doing their promotion. They are calling it the third month mania because, of course, they don't want to use copyrighted terms. But they've got some really great things happening. They have mystery boxes starting Sunday night, 7 p.m. So by the time you're hearing this, it's already going on. They're going to do a limited run of mystery boxes. Um, they are only on until Thursday at noon. They have seven different options. So you can get T-shirt boxes or combo boxes or a whole bunch of other stuff. They will pick randomly from the warehouse a bunch of different great things. That they have huge discounts on these items. Uh, you won't know what's coming, but it'll be a, a fun surprise for you to go ahead and open them up. For example, one of the boxes is three t-shirts for only $45. Um, that's a fantastic deal. Great stuff for you to you know find a new random team to kind of root for. If something happens to the Jayhawks or another team to root for, in addition to the Jayhawks while you're there, uh, they're going to have a bunch of other discount codes. Of course, you can use our our discount code, promo code chalk 12 to get 15% off your entire first order. Um, and of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping. They're going to have a whole bunch of stuff going on there. They have you know, a handful of hot market shirts as different teams are winning. They're going to be, you know, uh, doing new things. And and hopefully, the team that wins a national championship, if it's the Jayhawks, maybe they'll have a national championship ship shirt that comes out. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Take a look at everything that they have, all the fantastic stuff they have. Jump on there. Use promo code chalk 12 Get 15% off your entire first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping.
1: If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The Ten Twelve, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big Ten, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today.
0: And we're back. All right, here, just got done talking about the Big 12 podcast, title game and of course a fantastic game it was worth talking about but everybody is here to hear us talk about the brackets that were just released um by by the time they're hearing this they've probably heard plenty of other people talk um and of course the main reason that they're chiming in is so that we can tell them why everyone else is wrong and kansas is going to run to a national title right right fetch no
1: (laughs) oh well i mean you know i mean i I think you know the the downside i think of this weekend is it's kind of gotten my hopes back up again you know the Right. Um, my my brain realizes that, you know, March momentum is not super important in terms of NCAA tournament performance, but my heart looks at the way that they played um on Friday and Saturday and says, you know, if they can play like that for the next three weekends, they might be cutting down some nets. So it's, you know, the curse of high expectations are back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'm necessarily too worried about it. Like they they played exactly the way that they would need to to have a chance. I don't know that I I mean, still, we've talked multiple times about how the tournament is a crapshoot. You have to win six games and hope that you never run into really, you know, a team that is either super hot or you just go completely ice cold. Um, that's really hard to do over a three-week stretch to not have any off games at all. So um, it's not like it's an expectation that they are going to go ahead and, and cut down the nets. And there's some other really good teams as well. But um, first of all, no surprises with who the overall – I'm sorry, with with who all the number ones were. I mean, I I, I would be shocked if you were, you know – surprised by any of those because I think it was a general consensus everybody just assumed that it was going to be those four and honestly in that order um, once Baylor lost in the semifinal, final I'm sorry in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament I think everybody kind of slotted them behind Kansas you know especially since Kansas went ahead and won um there was also some potential intrigue but both Auburn and Kentucky went down early in their conference tournaments which makes it I think quite a bit quite a bit easier uh to you know to kind of just slot stuff in. Were you um so really quick, Kansas got the Midwest like everyone expected. They're the the third overall seed in the tournament. Their bracket and I want your initial thoughts on this. Kansas as the 1, um Auburn as the 2, Wisconsin as the 3, Providence as the 4 and Iowa as the 5. Um Kansas would, you know, faces the winner of the playing game between Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Um, And then in the second round would potentially face either San Diego State or Creighton. Um, When you look at that bracket, what jumps out to you either as the biggest problem that you have with it or the thing that you are most excited that that actually happened in that bracket?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, famous last words, but, you know, we talked about this last time I was on, I believe that. You know, it was worth trying to get a one if you could get prominence as your four in, in your region because they were going to be far and away the weakest of the fours. And, and lo and behold, that's what we have here now. Of course, the flip side of that is, you know, the five seed is Iowa and they might have to play Iowa in Chicago, which is, you know, not exactly what you'd want, although I think Kansas matches up um, pretty well with them. Um, looking elsewhere in the bracket, you know, Auburn is probably the two seed that I actually least wanted to get, even more so than Kentucky. Um, I just think they're a tough matchup. You know, they've got a star uh, in Jabari Smith who might be the number one pick in the NBA draft. You know, Walker Kessler is a great interior defender who's going to shut down a lot of those drives to the basket. So wouldn't be very much fun to play them. On the flip side, both teams got to win three games to get there. There's not really a, a ton of sense. I'm about that now from my point of view. Um, a lot of people are, are kind of, um, you know, clutching pearls about either playing San Diego State or Creighton in the second round uh, both are pretty good teams you'd obviously ideally like a much easier second round opponent but digging in a little bit deeper um, I'm not super worried about either team to be completely honest with you Um, both teams play um, actually this is you know crazy about Creighton I didn't realize this until I even looked it up but um, much better uh, defensively than they are offensively you know obviously Creighton's known as this you know run and gun three-point shooting team but that's not really who they are this year um, and then San Diego State, you know, second best defense uh, in the country according to Ken Palm, which is obviously not what you want to see. But on the flip side, 157th in offense, uh, they really do not score at all. Um, and I think you know, there's maybe a little bit of um, you know to to borrow a phrase, "fool's gold" going on with their defense. You know, they've only played one top 20 team in Ken Palm this year. Uh, they've only played two top 30 Ken Palm teams uh, this year, and so they're beating up on a lot of really bad teams. And yes, I realize that. You know, it's opponent adjusted and everything like that. But at the same time, you know, to me, it's easier to, you know, smother and rack up a super low point total when you're playing these awful teams than it is to do, you know, whatever the comparison would be against a slightly better team. You know, if you're looking at um, the, you know, kind of power conference teams they played, you know, even Arizona State, who's a bad team, almost scored a point per possession against them. Um, You know, USC scored a point per possession against them. Michigan scored over a point per possession against them. Um, I think those are all the power five teams they played this year. So that's, you know, that's only three power five teams. Two of them aren't any good. uh, And all of them put up pretty decent offensive numbers against them. So um, I think we maybe need to relax a little bit on the doom and gloom about San Diego State. Um, They're athletic. They're decently long, but they're not, you know, they don't have size like USC did last year, for example. So um, not, not terribly worried about them um Creighton is a team that I'm also similarly not terribly worried about um yes offensively you know they shoot a ton of threes and even though they haven't made a ton this year um in a one game scenario you know anything can happen so you're looking at you know maybe they go 10 of 20 or whatever but um yeah I I don't think that the the stress will come really until
0: that sweet 16. Yeah I mean really what I look at for this is we just saw this Kansas team dictate against the best defense in the nation, what the pace of that game was going to look like, you know, they, they easily hit the over in that, well, I guess not quite as easily as I was thinking it was going to be, but they, I mean, they hit the over in that game, you know, required that like, They, it it had to be played at a fast offensive pace. And Kansas has shown the ability, they're one of the few offenses in the nation that I think can dictate the pace of what they want. And really, it's about whether Kansas is performing well. If Kansas is performing well, I don't care how good the defense is. You have to play offensively up to their level to have a shot. Um, I can't, I can't say that about any of these defenses that I think can actually, you know, take Kansas out of the game that they try to play. Like, if Texas Tech couldn't do it, I don't know that anyone else can actually do it because I, I'm going to be honest. As much as I hate the fact that they flop all over the place and draw charges and that's how they get a bunch of their defense, they are a really good defense. And so like, I just don't think that anybody has a better defense than what Texas Tech does in a way that is going to significantly hamper what the Jayhawks are trying to do. Um, and so, so when you come into it with that realization that this team is able to do it, like, unless it's another team that has an offense that's that good, I don't know that I'm necessarily that worried about them. And we don't have to see any of those potentially until, you know, the elite eight at the earliest. Um No, I'm sorry. I take that back. Theoretically, we could have to play an Iowa offense that is number two. Um, You know, now granted their defense is much worse than Kansas defense. So I expect that one, if it actually materializes to be, you know, an 89 to 94 game or something like that, like ridiculous high scoring game that's up and down and going to have everyone tearing their hair out because nobody's actually playing defense. So I would be, Really interested to kind of see what that game would look like, but for the most part, I think Kansas is going to play the style that they want to play at the pace that they want to play it, and it's just a matter of, do they make the shots? And if that's really what it comes down to, then I feel comfortable that Kansas has enough guys that could make a shot, especially with you know Lightfoot and Martin emerging, like we already talked about, that... I just can't get worried about any of these games. Sure. Could they have an off night and get out fairly early in the tournament, much earlier than we would expect? Yes, because it's March Madness. That happens to a lot of teams every single year. Um, But is it something that I have to worry about that I think is extremely likely? No, not really. Like, if, if, if a team gets hot, a team gets hot, there's nothing you can do. You know, as, as much as it pains me to bring this back up, like Oregon, you know, <laughs> with with Josh Jackson on the team, like, that Oregon game was super painful, but there's nothing that Kansas could have done in that game because Oregon was literally just making everything. Um, And so it's one of those things. Like if you run into a buzzsaw like that, or like the Villanova game in the final four, if you run into one of those, there's nothing you can do. You just have to take it and deal with it. And that's also just the nature of the tournament. So I don't know that I can be worried about any of these matchups. Like you said, there's no matchup in here that I'm looking at. is just like, Oh my gosh, we got completely screwed or Oh my gosh, that's really, really bad for us if we execute our game, I don't know that there's anybody in the Midwest bracket that can beat us.
1: Yeah. I'm not, you know, again, you, you never want to say, I'm not worried about whatever team, because then you lose and, and you feel like an idiot. But um, with Iowa, I mean, they're, they're so dependent on Keegan Murray and he's obviously a great player. Um, you, you could even say he's having a better season this year than I'll try to just give an example of how good he's been. Um, but you know, Bill South is so good at scheming those teams with like one dominant perimeter player out of a game to where you almost have to pencil them in for a little bit fewer points than, you know, you'd, you'd otherwise expect them to do. Right. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, with Iowa, their defense is so bad. I mean, it's like a parade to the rim. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the country. I think they're like 270 somethingth in terms of giving up field goal attempts at the rim. Um, they're 126th in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim. So there's just no uh, resistance there. And I think Kansas is going to have easy opportunity after easy opportunity to score against them. And um, I'm just, you know, the whole Iowa and Chicago thing. Yeah. That's a big deal, but you know, Kansas will probably have more that game than Iowa. will.
0: Chicago is is the second biggest alumni center for the Jayhawks. Like Dallas is one Chicago is two. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. Part of it. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The travel part of it is something for sure. You know, it's obviously a longer travel for Kansas than Iowa and a lot of research has been done to the fact that, um, it's much more difficult when you're traveling, you know, X amount of miles farther than the other team. So that part is maybe a little bit worrisome, but, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, you know, the fans are going to be 50, 50 at worst. Um, probably even a little bit of a pro KU crowd, um, I don't think Fran McCaffrey is a, a great coach. I mean, you read around Iowa fans and stuff and they complain about him and, and some of the stuff he does all the time. Of course, Kansas fans complain about Bill self. So you maybe can't uh, take too much out about that, but um, I just think it would be a advantage KU um, if they met, honestly, I'm, I'm mostly worried about, uh, you know, losing to Providence and like the ultimate uh, irony matchup there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think we've said that before where we're like, yeah, this is a great matchup. And then it, ends up being like the worst possible matchup because of what happened. So, all right, well, I I, want to go ahead and finish up Um, any of the other seedings or any of the other teams that made it or didn't make it that really jumped out to you.
1: You know, in terms of resume stuff, I guess I'm not terribly surprised, but in terms of quality of team uh, just to stay in the big 12, I think Oklahoma probably is a team that could have won a game or two in the NCAA tournament if they had made it Uh, really impressed with the way they played at the end there. And, That terrible call at the end of the Texas Tech game where, you know, they very well could have won that game uh, might have cost them a spot in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's got to be a tough pill for them to swallow. Um,
0: Yeah, I think it definitely did, uh, honestly, uh, because uh, they were the second team out. Like if if they get that win against Texas Tech, I have a hard time imagining that they're not in the field.
1: Right. Yeah, you'd think they would. And I, I didn't check to see who the last team out was. But, you know, by, by Ken Palm rating, they're the best team that didn't make it in at 30th. Yeah,
0: it was and, Wyoming and Indiana no, were, were the teams. last two teams, the the last two at-larges. Okay. And then ahead of Oklahoma okay. was Dayton. So, like, I feel like Oklahoma beating Texas Tech would have jumped them above all three of those teams, I think which is kind of crazy. Yeah.
1: I, I think you'd have to, yeah, I think you'd have to, and there's a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of people who follow the the bracketology stuff a lot more closely. We're throwing, you know, those two and Xavier and, and uh, you know, Miami, I think in kind of one big pot as far as um, you know, what's going to happen as far as who, who those teams are going to make it. So um, you know, at the end of the day, there's so little that that separates these teams and it's just, you know, one team gets left out and the other team that makes it. And um tough to say because they're tough to see because I I liked watching them play this year I did make a joke that you know I'm I'm done seeing the girls brothers forever and now I guess I'm I'm done seeing Tanner forever um but it's kind of disappointing for his career to end that way because he is a really good player and I think deserved to go out in the NCAA tournament
0: well I mean they will get to play in the NIT so hopefully they can make a big run to the NIT finals but um but yes, you're right. Like, it's it's the last possibility for Kansas to face up against them because they won't be able to face them in the NCAA tournament because Oklahoma did not make it. Um, in terms, I mean, I, I don't know that I was really surprised by any of the other ones. Um, like, I, I probably, like, I thought Oklahoma probably should have made it, especially over some of the teams that are in there, but it wasn't, like, a huge enough snub for me that I'm going to go up in arms about it. Um, I'm not really surprised by a lot of the other placements either. I'm more relieved, I think, that we don't have Kentucky. Um, I am curious though, super duper early. Cause I know we haven't really studied the brackets too in depth, but if you look at the brackets now and just kind of look at what's there, who do you have as your way too early before any real analysis final four,
1: you know, I, I think you'd have to go Gonzaga in theirs. um, I mean, Texas tech Duke, you know, a couple of pretty tough teams waiting, but I think they're a pretty heavy favorite in that region. Um, you know, I, I hate to say this cause I never really pick them, but I do think you kind of have to pick Kansas, uh, in this region. I just think, you know, if they can get past that, that tricky second round game, um, the fact that a sweet 16 game might be a little bit easier than your normal sweet 16 game makes up for the fact that your second round game is probably going to be a little bit more difficult, um, than your average second round game. Um, and then I'll, I'll just, I'll keep being boring. I think I'll take Kentucky and, and Arizona and the other two brackets, um, really impressed with uh, Arizona and how they played this year and Kentucky, you know, it, it's funny cause they're third in Ken Palm. Um, I guess I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I guess I don't, I don't really know. Um, I mean, they're, they're with Baylor, right. Am I getting that right? I don't know. Yes. yes you are. I'm doing this by memory yep. here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I just, I think, I think they match up well with Baylor. Um, I think they're basically just like a better version of Baylor. So I'll probably take them over Baylor, but neither of those would surprise me out of that region. So, um, of course, this you know, it's so wide open. Um, it's probably going to be you know three eight seeds and a four seed or something like that. But um, of <laughs> oh course gosh, I may, hope not. Might be the next year because it's so wide open. Yeah, no, because it's you know so wide open. This might be the next year where it's all four one seeds. So um, who knows? But that's that's kind of my early pick. I
0: think. Yeah, I mean, I. I agree with you that Gonzaga probably has to be the pick coming out of that one just because, again, like I think the only team that would that does something well enough to be able to challenge them would be a team like Texas Tech. But we just saw Kansas dictate the pace offensively against them. And so I have a hard time thinking that Texas Tech is going to be able to force Gonzaga unless, you know, the argument that Gonzaga doesn't really face anybody in the West Coast Conference and is going to have some issues like if if that's what you're leaning in, then I could guess I could see an argument for Gonzaga not making it. But I really just don't know that any other team in their bracket has what it takes to really kind of stop what it is that they try to do offensively. So I, I do have Gonzaga going through. I actually think that Tennessee is going to come out of the South. Um, You know, I kind of eyed that one. I don't know that I believe in Arizona. Um I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see something crazy like, you know, Arizona losing to TCU in the second round. Um I just think the way the TCU bangs on the inside and especially... You know, the stuff that Arizona, like we saw Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament have some issues with some teams that had a big guy on the inside that could do the things that Lambkin does. So I would be interested there. Theoretically, um, you know, they actually have, I think, a lot that's in there. I don't know that I trust Villanova enough. Um, I, I just don't know why. Like, I probably should just learn from, you know, past mistakes. But I, I see Tennessee for whatever reason coming out of there. Um, Baylor, I agree that they have some issues, especially the fact that they've got injuries that they're dealing with. I just don't know if they're they're healthy enough to make a run all the way to the final four. Um, so I was really tempted to pick Purdue there. Um, but after seeing what Iowa did to them today, I'm wondering, you know, how they're going to handle the, the athleticism of Kentucky. The one thing I will say though, is Kentucky is one of those teams that I could see flame out a lot earlier because of the way that their guard play is so up and down this year. Um, you know, guard play is what really determines your success in the NCAA tournament. And we've seen it time and time again. So like, I, I definitely think that Kentucky has what it takes to run to the final four, but if they have a game where both of those guards, you know, uh, Wheeler and then, uh, Washington are both off, then it's going to be really tough for them to get past a lot of the teams that are actually ahead of them. So, um, and then Kansas, I think I do have to pull Kansas as well from the, from the Midwest region. Um, I would I would love to see you know something where like Kansas doesn't have to face a lot of these teams that are difficult but I again I, I just the way that their offense is clicking right now the way that their defense has been a lot better than it has all year long and I think that's the other thing is that like a lot of these teams have not seen defenses as good as the Big 12 and Kansas is going to get the benefit of not having to face Big 12 defenses you know day in and day out in the tournament they are used to phenomenal defenses and their offense is still absolutely fantastic so I I just I think that that's who I'm gonna have to go with, but I think that's gonna do it for us tonight. Any final thoughts before you wrap up? I do. You, do you have a random yeah, sports well, minute for force as well?
1: Well, I I think one. I'd I'd be remiss if we didn't you know give a little bit of airtime to the potential you know first round matchup of Texas Southern or Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Um, you know we want to want to respect all the opponents obviously, and it'll be fun to tune in to see which one. Um, if you are looking for a rooting interest, so it's worth noting first that. Those teams by Ken Palm are the worst two teams in the field. Um, If you're looking for a rooting interest, you probably do want to root for Texas Southern. Texas A&M Corpus Christi is 18th nationally in terms of forcing turnovers and 16th nationally in terms of offensive rebounding, which are two things that are you know a little bugaboos for Kansas. So um, that would maybe make things a little bit more um, you know worrisome in the first half than you'd otherwise want. So I suppose we should probably root for Texas Southern. Um, although that being said, you know, they'll end up winning and then end up giving Kansas the scare. So you, you almost don't want to put that out into the universe,
0: but you know what, if they're going to have a scare, I would love for, you know, the scare of the tournament to be in the first round for, you know, I don't know, like 15 minutes or so. And then, you know, like that's our quote unquote scare, or I, I, I'm trying to remember the one time that Kansas came down to the wire against a 16 seed. If I remember correctly, they went to the final four that year. So yeah,
1: Holy cross in 2002.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So. You yep. know what? If, if that's what it takes to make sure Kansas makes the a final four, then bring on a 16 seed that's game for a good game sure. that Kansas can get out of. And sure. then they just blow their way to the final four. So, all right. Uh, ran random sportsman before we get out of here.
1: Yeah. So just to, to be true to form here, you know, I, I think we're recording early in parts because the, uh, the championship game of the briar tonight, the Canadian curling championships, um, is starting in about 15 minutes or so. And so I need to go watch it, but it's, uh,
0: yes uh, definitely, definitely. that's that's there. of course what yeah. it was yeah
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah so it's so it's alberta kevin cooey going for his record fifth title as a skip and then uh the aforementioned uh team that represented canada at the olympics uh just a you know month or so ago that, that i had mentioned in the last episode of playing in the title um so it should be a good one if you have watched espn or you know uh espn 3 or whatever um you should probably tune in
0: yeah for sure All right, well, Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts. Where's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you're not able to do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um we are on the Anchor platform, so you can actually leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. And this, of course, is the perfect time to do it. If you guys want to leave your predictions for the tournament or anything like that, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show here. Uh, we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm getting ready to hop on to a Spotify green room to talk about all of the Big 12 teams as well that are in the in the tournaments, so definitely... Head on over on Twitter, though, at TEN12Network. You can get links to all the great shows that we have over there. But uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. They're doing some fantastic stuff that we just talked about for March. I'm sorry, for Third Month Mania, as they're calling it. But uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
1: Hey there, ten twelve network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Holman podcast, the original Houston Cougar Athletics podcast, and the latest member of the ten twelve network. Uh, my co-host Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Holman podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston in their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Sports Social Podcast Network.